Hey, top fans, it's Bill from Top Fan Rivalry here with Jackson. How are you, Jackson? Good. How are you? Doing excellent. Jackson's been in the clubhouse a number of times, and he and I are kind of teaming up together, uh, which is hard to do since I'm a Dodger fan and he's a world champion Atlanta Brave fan. Hey, I got to give you props, Jackson. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to do it. You guys won. Um but we're going to team up. We're going to do something fun for you, top fans. We're going to break it down by decade, starting in 1900. Some of the best players that we found, and just statistically by numbers, obviously we don't you know, remember a lot of these people, but um, we're going to statistically break down who might be some of the, the 10 best players of 1900 to 1910, as well as um, maybe even some honorable mentions, some people that don't make the list. And and by all means, uh, feel free to make comments, whatever you want, uh, throw tomatoes at your screen, it doesn't matter, right? Or join us on one of these. So, Jackson, are you ready to have fun? We're, we're going way, way, way back here, right? Yeah, we are. <laughs> some, of the, some of these stats, it's like digging up an old fossil, you know? It's, well, that and it was the dead ball era, so... Nobody recognizes the fact of how difficult that probably was. It was, it was a pitcher's. It was a pitcher's decade, right? Yes. All right, Jackson. I'll let you lead off. Give me a player. All right. I mean, he's he's at the bottom of my list, uh, but I do have Rube Waddle. Okay, Pennsylvania's own Rube Waddle. You know, Rube Waddle living in Pennsylvania. But he was a he was a left-handed pitcher. He pitched for Pittsburgh uh, and the Philadelphia Athletics most prominently in the early 1900s. I mean, for the decade, he was he was solid. He pitched in 385 games, started 328 of them, won 183 games, and had a 2-1-1 ERA. I mean, if that's not <laughs> what you see out of the dead ball era, I don't I don't know what it is. His whip was like right at one. 1.099 his fielding independent pitching was even better so i mean just your classic you know go get him ground ball dead ball pitcher well and that's not a name that that you hear tossed around nowadays right i mean i'm no. sure we'll come up with a couple other pitchers names um you and i had talked before we started recording about a few but that's not a name that we typically <laughs> hey let's talk about rube waddle <laughs> yeah, no, I, I never heard of him. And, uh, and researching the dead ball era, it's interesting because at the turn of the century, baseball adjusted their rules. You used to have an unlimited number of foul balls. And at mm -hmm. the turn of the century, they made foul balls start to count as strikes. So that kind of slowed hitting down mm -hmm. is what Major League Baseball says on their official website. But um, a big thing people got to remember is the spitball was still kind of legal. <laughs> Yep. In the early 1900s. So a lot of these guys had their own, you know, people want to use the argument nowadays that, oh, they don't throw that hard slider, that hard fastball. They didn't need to. They had the, the spitball, the slurve, the screwball. You don't need a change up when you can make that ball dance. Exactly. Exactly. Last night, Jackson, I showed my wife what a knuckleball does because she was asking me what a knuckleball does. And it was, and I showed her, I said, watch this video. And there was a video of literally the ball just, and it was a perfect, and I can't remember who threw it, but it just floated and then it moved. And she's like, well, that's not fair. The catcher can't even catch it. Like, that's kind of the point. If you, can't hit, the point. if you can't hit it, the catcher definitely can't catch it. 
Exactly. Exactly. All right. Way to lead off. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give you guys one that we also don't talk about. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get to the everyone's, you know, favorite. I'm going to throw an outfielder out there that played for the Cincinnati uh, Reds and Detroit Tigers in the name of Sam Crawford. Sam Crawford uh, had 1,576 hits, which is amazing. Um, Again, considering dead ball era, right? Sam Crawford, 310 batting average. Um, And so, again, in a pitcher's decade to have 1,500 hits over 10 years, you got to be clipping. You got to have some good seasons. And so this guy did. And so Sam Crawford's my, uh, my guy. I mean, I had him on my list too. Uh, just the, just the production, just looking at the, the kind of on base percentage numbers that would be good today's game, you know, not always the best OPS in a couple of years of sub 800, but when you can sit there and his 162 game average, 19 triples, yeah, yeah. 30 doubles. It's, you don't, you don't need to hit, hit the ball over the fence if you can just clear the bases every single Which, time. Which you bring to a good point. Not only – we're talking about dead ball era, but if, when you look at some of these these hitters, in their career, some of them might play 15, 17 years, and in their career, they might hit 15 or 20 home runs. It wasn't like it is now. So for those of you listening, please understand that that's not the same thing. All right, and who do you got for another one, Jackson? Another one? Uh, I don't know if you had this one, but uh, Elmer Flick. I did. I did. Tell me about Elmer. Elmer Flick. I have a I have a fun fact about Elmer Flick. He's known as the player that Cleveland refused to trade for Ty Cobb. Oh, really? That's one of his claims to fame that the Tigers said they would trade Ty Cobb for Elmer Flick, and the the Cleveland that said no. <laughs> wow. Wow. And um, Elmer also played for both Philadelphia teams too, the Phillies and the A's. Yes. Um, yes, he did. <laughs> I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Uh, it's all right. My uh my big thing for him was his 162 game average was uh 31 doubles, 19 triples. You know, a paltry five home runs, but you know, when you're pumping out 50 extra base hits on your doubles and triples alone out of your 193 hits a season, I think you're doing, you're doing something right. He just looked like an all around solid hitter. He led the league in runs a year, led the league in triples three straight years, including one year with 22, which even for that era is absolutely disgusting. And a, another funny fact, if, if you look at the height and weight of some of these guys, you think of baseball players today, you know, you got your, your Yasiel Puigs, who tower like six foot three, Jorge Soler's like six foot five. These guys are like five foot nine, a buck sixty. Yep, yep. <laughs> They're slapping yep. the ball all over, all over the field. So, <laughs> oh, it would have been fun to go to a game back then. Been yep. fun. So you got Elmer Flick. He was actually on my um, my list as well, and I'm gonna throw. I'm not going to say a controversial one, but if you go back and you look through a number of different websites, some of them put this guy on there. Some of them don't. And uh, my number two guy, I guess, or my next guy is a guy who, um, again, uh, an outfielder uh, named Fred Clark. 
Fred Clark had 1,509 hits in that 10-year span. And he hit him in a mirror, like during the dead ball era, a mere 328. So, I mean, can you can't complain with a guy that's that's averaging 328, right? So another good outfielder. Yeah, I mean, 328 is a number. You could lead the league nowadays with a 328 batting average. Back then it got you like 20th in the league. Yeah. Um, another example would be Mike Donlin, who had a, a 338 batting average over the decade, you know? Right. Got, guys like that. He's another outfielder. He was probably the one that was it most interchangeable with Clark on these lists, just kind of yeah. zooming back. Most baseball historians kind of interchange the two. Uh, similar type players. Uh, Donlin did have a little bit more pop. He had an 865 OPS, but he did appear to miss significant time with injuries. Yeah. So that's probably why Clark got the edge over Donlin on a lot of these lists. But, you know, you can't argue with an 865 OPS when healthy when his best home run hitting season was 10 in 1900. Well, you can't argue with a 338 batting average either. No, you can't. 391 on base? Yeah. But can can he get on base is the real question, isn't it? Exactly. (laughs) So so you've gotten two. I've gotten two down here. Uh, We've kind of cross-pollinated one or two of them, but who do you got next? Uh, Well, my list is we're going backwards, and I got Cy Young actually sitting at six for the for the decade as last miss, as it sounds, the, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Cyclone, um, yeah. as they used to call him. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cy, Cy Young was really good, 2.12 ERA and basically thirty over 3,300 innings in a 10-year span is absolutely ridiculous. His whip sat exactly at one for the opening decade of the, of the century, which is mind-boggling to me. And yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not not much more to say. Won 231 games, pitched 337 complete games. I if that just doesn't describe Cy Young, I don't know what doesn't. Yeah, the you know, there's a reason why there's an award made it made for him, and and you can when you're doing research on these older guys, you can tend to look at their stats and say, wow, so this person had more wins, or this person had a better ERA. But when you look at the games that they played in, how many of them they started how many complete games they had, and how many innings. Match that up against uh, Cy Young and, and tell me something. Yeah, I mean, and it, I didn't say this, but I probably should have led with this. This was his age 33 to age 42 seasons. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't his, <laughs> his early seasons. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't his – this this isn't early mid-20s here. This is, you know, most guys nowadays, they hit – most pitchers hit 33 and they can't, they can't pitch anymore. Their arms fall off. So yes. – it, exactly. I don't care. I don't care what you say. He's throwing low eighties or whatever. That's a lot of pitches. Well, I was I was going to mention Cy Young uh, next, so you you kind of took that one. But I'll uh, I'll mention a first baseman that that few talk about, but he still had a decent um, career, and that's Frank Chance. Uh, played for the Cubs, uh, had a three hundred batting average, had over a thousand hits. Um, again, pretty pretty respectable when it came to uh, when it comes to consistency. Which again, that ball era, right? To get a thousand hits in in ten seasons, you still have to be clipping okay. 
and and Frank Chance was one of those guys that that just kept on uh, kept on clipping. Yeah, I mean, just looking at his stats, considering he didn't really play in 1900 or right. 1901 or 1902, going in and putting in a thousand hits and seven fullish seasons is it's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was everything that I could research on him. He was a force to be reckoned with when he started playing, right? Yeah. And so, all right, who yeah? I mean, up next is probably uh, one of the more legendary figures in early baseball, Mordecai, three-finger brown, as they called him. Uh, <laughs> he's, best, he's best known as one of the pioneers of the curveball. Yep. And uh, he only pitched eight seasons uh, from 1900 to 1909. Uh, but, you know, he posted a 1.63 ERA. He led... I think he leads all of Major League Baseball among pitchers with 200 wins and whip or something crazy like that. Mm-hmm. It was one of, one of the, the weird extra stats I found. I mean, his career whipped 1.066. That's all you really need to know. For the decade, he posted a .98 whip. Yeah, it's – I mean – and back then, too, there was a lot of argument about the curveball because batters thought it was cheating. And, you know, you throw – you got to throw it straight or throw a change if you can't, but spit on it and things like that. And so, yeah, he was, he was a little controversial. That's for sure. Um, but he had, a, he was on my list. He had a good you know, had a good career. Like you said, he had 144 wins. ERA was uh, sub one seven, right? One six, three ish or so. He had 799 strikeouts. He played for the Cardinals and Cubs. And yeah. so, you know, he played for teams that, that were competing so yeah but he's definitely definitely on that list okay if we're going to stick with pitchers how about addy jones addy jones yeah addy joss okay that one was one that that kind of snuck up on me 155 wins uh 871 strikeouts um 1.87 era so i i mean Here's a dude that played for the Cleveland Broncos and the Cleveland Naps, right? And yep. he just had he had a decent career, but it it was crazy um, when at any point, any way, shape, or form, um, the uh, uh, if you Google, you know, best pitchers of the the turn of the century he's always going to come up on some list, which is incredible. So, I mean, his 1908 season, astounding, 24 and 11, 1.16 ERA, with a 0. 0.86, 0. 0.806 whip. Uh, he was walking less than a batter per nine innings, giving up less than seven hits per nine. I mean, for all you advanced stat geeks out there, ERA plus a 204, which – you got to remember, this is a dead ball era where, you know, every pitcher looks like Pedro Martinez yeah. looking back on it, you know? Yep. He and, had, uh, he, let's see, it looks like his best season was, from a wins perspective, was 1907, where he had 27 wins. 1908, he had 24 wins. Um, but in 1908, he had an ERA of 1.16. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, in 325 innings, which is 
Yeah, ex exactly. Show me a pitcher that uh, pitches 325 innings, gets 24 wins, and has an ERA sub 1-2. Yeah, he also had two saves, it looks like. <laughs> yeah. out of the bullpen a couple times. Yeah, he did. He did, so that's that's great. Okay, who else do you got? This is fun. I mean, we're, we're, we're starting to get up there to the, the more known players. Uh, and I, I looked it up because I've always – been curious how to pronounce his name, but it's Nap Lazoe. Yes, because it's French. It is French. Second baseman. So Nap Lazo yeah, second baseman. Nap Lazoe played for Philadelphia. Uh, played for Cleveland later on in the in the decade. Um, he's known for the highest batting average in a single season, which is four twenty six. Wow. Actually, I believe it's either him or Ty Cobb. Oh, now I gotta double check. Should have verified this before. I would have sounded so much. So nineteen oh six, he in nineteen oh one, he hit four twenty six. Four twenty six. Yep, it's ahead of Rogers Hornsby and Ty Cobb. Four twenty four, then four twenty. All right, I, I was right. <laughs> I was right. I was right. Yeah, but that year he won the triple crown too. I mean, four sixty three on base percentage. I mean, when you hit four twenty six. Well, not only that, he had, he had 14 home runs that season. 125 RBIs, 48 yeah. doubles. 48 doubles on 232 yeah. hits. Yeah, and, and that's not a player that everybody just walks around and says, hey, this is, a, this is a household name, but this dude could play. I mean, growing up, talking with my dad about old-time baseball, he would, he would pop up a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he was actually on my list. And he was the next one I was going to mention. Um, but, yeah, he – that. Dudes, I mean, show me somebody else that's going to hit 426. We haven't seen that, like, you know, for a while, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. He he only walked 24 times that season, but he only struck out nine times. So. Yeah, and and that's the thing, right? If you if you're only walking a few times, and you're you're, I mean, you're only striking out a few times, yet you're, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, okay, so here's a name that that may not be well known, similar to Nap, is Art Deville. Uh, he played third base. He played for the New York Giants. Um, his career started in 1904, ended in 1913. But if you just look at some of the things that he did, 1900 to 1910, um, it's not so much his hits, which is 800 and like. 12, something around there. And it's not so much his batting average at 269. Um, but look at his stolen bases. 04, 33, 05, 59, 06, 54, 07, 38. He's stealing a lot of bases. And so, um, you know, the guy was the guy was on the move a lot. Uh, and so he had a he had a pretty good career. And even and again, he was one of those guys that was playing most, if not all, of the games, right? Yeah. Um, and so he was in the lineup all the time, and he was on the move. Yeah, he just looks like your prototypical old school leadoff hitter, get on base. Yep. Steal second, get in the scoring position. Yep. Exactly. All right, who you have next? Uh, I'm already up to Christy Mathewson, who. I mean, Ooh. there's a debate between him and, and somebody else who we'll talk about in a minute. 
as who's yeah. the best player of the 1900s. But I mean, Christy Mathewson's one of those one of those names you ever hear the term whenever I hear New York Giants I just think of a, of a picture of Christy Mathewson funnily enough <laughs> because he he was a baller he was a pitcher he was I mean 236 wins 1.98 ERA 282 complete games 61 shutouts over a 10-year period is absolutely ridiculous he also threw in 16 saves for good measure just mm-hmm. an absolute monster of a pitcher. He led the league in strike. He was striking out over 200 batters back when strikeouts, like I said, like we talked about just a second ago, Nap what struck out nine times in the season. He was striking out, he struck out 267 batters in 1903, 259 in 1908. You just, and you out don't, of that, go ahead. I'm sorry. You don't see guys like that anymore. Uh-huh. They can just strike out the best hitters in the game on, on a consistent basis. And they played the better hitters a lot more because there were less teams in the league. And out of that 10-year span that we're looking at, he pitched the, – the minimum innings that he pitched was 275. He averaged over 300 innings. Um, in the 1908 season, for example, with the New York Giants, he had 37 wins. Um, his ERA was 1.43. He started 44 games. He completed 34 of them. He shut out 11 opponents. Um, he saved five – games and he only pitched a mere 390 innings not bad <laughs> i mean that's if you're going to talk if you're going to talk pitchers especially back then yeah giddy up that's your guy right i'm i mean even the new school stats 1.169 era plus 0.82 whip 6.17 strikeouts the walks he he was the the prototypical pitcher he's what you want throwing you know every every four days going out there and he's going to put you in a good chance you know, a good chance to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bring up a player that was only in this decade uh, that we're talking about, and we're going to talk about him a lot more in the next decade series, but I'm going to bring up a player right now that, because I'm going to leave Jackson, the, the softball one, the one that, that if you, as you're listening to this, I know you guys are thinking, why, you know, why don't you guys mention him? He's coming up, don't worry. But I'm going to bring up a player that had a very good start to his career um, in 1907, and that is Walter Johnson. Oh. Yeah, Walter, Walter what? Oh, Walter Johnson. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, okay, so granted, he started out a little slow, but – 1907 to 1910, he had almost 90 wins. Um, you know, he was, his ERA was, was sub two over that short period of time. And in two, or in 1910, he threw 370 innings. He had 25, uh, 25 wins, ERA 1.36, started 42 games, completed 38 of them. And so, well, though we're talking about a full decade, I'm sure we'll bring him back up again when we're talking to that or 1911 to 1920, because that's kind of where he thrived. But an amazing pitcher, especially starting out at age 19. Yeah. I mean, uh, another guy you want to mention who got his career just started. I mean, Ty Cobb. Mm-hmm. 
we'll be talking a lot about him in the 1910s because that's when he, he he really took off. I mean, even right. into the even into the mid late 1920s, the guy was still still kicking, still playing very well. But you know, he he started in 1905, limited action 1905 and 1906. But in the three seasons of 1907 and 1909, he had 212 hits, 188 hits, and then 216 hits, leading the league each time. In 1908, he led the league in hits, doubles with 36, triples with 20. He had 108 RBIs. He only hit four home runs and drove in 108 runs. Yep, yep, yep. Again, I mean, home runs weren't a thing then. Yeah. I mean, and then he won the Triple Crown in 1909, slashing 377, 431, 517. Leading the league in RBIs again. And then leading the league in stolen bases with 76. (laughs) Yep. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, do you want to take us through that softball one that that everybody's been waiting for? I mean, even if you're not a big, super, super big baseball historian, I'm sure you've heard of the Honus Wagner baseball card. That's right. It's not just because it's a really old and rare card. It's because Honus Wagner was probably not probably. I mean, it's pretty much consensus at this point, except for a couple of lists that put Matthewson ahead of him. The best player from the early 1900s. I mean, this guy, this guy was a unit is <laughs> is the understatement of the century. He played in thir- almost 1400 games. And in those 1,400 games, he had 1,800 hits, 1,847 hits. He drove in 956 runs, stole 487 bases, slashed 352, 417, 508 for a 925 OPS over a 10-year 10, 10 span. Yeah. Just They didn't have the MVP award back then, but I have a feeling he would have won a lot of them, especially 1,900 when he slugged 573 and had an OPS of 1,000. Yeah. 45 doubles, 22 triples. 100 RBIs, only four home runs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, listen, the home run wasn't a thing. It wasn't big and sexy back then. But, I mean, you mentioned a lot of the stats. I, the doubles are what the doubles and triples are what kill me. I mean, uh, 1903, 19 triples. 1908, 19 triples. 1904, 1905, 14 triples. When does that happen? Never. I mean, nowadays you're lucky if a guy gets like six triples in a season, you're like, I think part of it is they did play in the cavernous confines of, I mean, I don't think Pittsburgh played at uh, Forbes field or wherever they played way back in the day. But, you know, obviously you can think classic MLB stadiums, polo grounds is out there, which was a polo field. So, you know, it's 500 feet. So you can hit that ball into the gap and just run forever, basically. Run forever. <laughs> well, but against the quality of pitching he faced playing in the National League, he faced Christy Mathewson. He faced Mordecai Brown. Faced so Daddy Joss. In 1900, he was 26 years old. I'm going to read you, you guys a stat here, which makes him even more powerful. Jackson alluded to this already. Uh 38, followed by 49, followed by 42, 46, 53, 57, 53, 61, 53, 35, and 24. Those are his stolen base numbers for those 10 years. Now, granted, 24 sounds like a far cry from 61, but he went, he was 36 years old then. So, so you're not still a lot of bases, but um, 
it's it, what he was able to do as an all-around player. Jackson's right. Honus Wagner and Christy Matheson are probably arguably for that time frame some of the either the best or the two best, right? Granted, we're going to talk a little bit more about Cy Young a little bit later in another episode. We're going to talk about Ty Cobb in another episode. Obviously, George Herman Ruth will come up in the next episode, right? But it's not for for right now, Honus Wagner and Christy Matheson, would you agree, Jackson, are probably number one and number two, and you can interchange those either way. Yeah, I mean, I'd lean towards Honus Wagner just because pitching dominant league. I mean, he's the original five-tool guy, if you really look yeah. at it. Um, the power back then wasn't home runs. It was being able to stroke the double and the triple and, you know, average 17 triples a year for 10 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're doing something right. Top fans, uh, you're going to hear a lot more about this. Jackson Iron, like I said, are going to go through the decades. Um, some of these names are household names. Some of them aren't. Uh, Jackson made a, a fantastic list for you and gives you some uh, great background on these guys, uh, as well as, as some of the stuff that I've gone through as well. So hope you're enjoying this. This is for the baseball enthusiasts, for the baseball peers. Keep in mind, we are recording this currently where there's no CBA in place. So we don't even know if we're going to have a season this year. And so, Jackson, you, you want to wrap it up with uh, with another 30 seconds on as we're wrapping up? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it's fun to go back. Uh, baseball reference, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll plug them because they should be plugged a lot more in the baseball community, I think. It's just a really easy site to use. It has explanations for if you're ever confused – if you're struggling to figure out advanced stats or what people are talking about, sometimes they have a lot of the stats. They'll explain it to you. Baseball reference is a fantastic wealth of knowledge. Um, I mean, I would be poor uh, as my research went to not mention that I did try to dig up some, some Negro league players for this list to see if I could find any of them. Unfortunately, they did not start keeping stats until about 1920. So once we get around to that decade, you'll probably start hearing about, some of the legendary Negro League players out there. You got your Satchel Pages, your Josh Gibsons, your Smokey Joe Browns. Yeah. Yeah. So in the next decade we get to uh talk about players that were part of the Black Sox organization, right? Yep. I mean we could probably have a whole podcast about that too if we really felt like it, but probably. Probably. Well top fans, couple things you need to know. So as we're wrapping up, one head on over to topfanrivalry.com. Uh, the site has been updated. It's got a new, fresh look. Jackson, do you like it better than than what was up prior? Oh uh, yeah, it's. I think it's really great now. Uh, it's a lot more user friendly. It's yeah, so really it's, it's, really easy to navigate now. So check it yeah. out. Yeah, check it out on out there. Go over to the team store if you'd like. Uh, we have hats up there. We're gonna have more merchandise coming up um, as time goes on. But check out the site. Listen to the podcast. Uh, feel free to send comments if you like. You're welcome to email um, the top fan email at topfanrivalry uh, at gmail.com. If you have comments or questions or want to be a part of this podcast, Jackson and I are always looking for guests to join us for the decade series of Top Fan Rivalry. We appreciate you joining us. Jackson, thanks for thanks for your research. Yeah. It's great. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, like I said, uh, if anyone's just trying to find stuff to do during the lockout, 
and you need your baseball fix, you just hop on baseball reference. They'll have, they'll have a screen of 20 random players you can read about. There you go. And learn about. There you go. There you go. I love it. So top fans, uh, enjoy this uh, episode. This is the first inaugural episode of what we'll call top fan rivalry decades. And we're going to go through and we're going to, if we've missed anybody, let us know. It's okay. Right. But I'm pretty confident that most people don't recognize these names just yet. We'll get into names that everybody recognizes soon. So enjoy. We appreciate you listening and we'll talk to you on the next episode.